Hi, I'm Howard Tierski. Welcome to the Winning Digital Customers podcast, where we focus on the stories of large-scale digital transformations told by the people who lead them. Hey, everybody. Welcome once again to the Winning Digital Customers podcast. And today, I want to talk about the downsides to creating a great customer experience, the downsides. Of course, my book, Winning Digital Customers, is very much about the importance of creating an amazing customer journey that your customers love. And frankly, how doing so is perhaps the most valuable thing that you can do in your business to generate customer love. And the number one way to do that is through the experience that you create for your customers. So if something is so incredibly important and so incredibly valuable, which I hope you'll agree with me that it is, how could there be any downside? Well, you know, probably everything has downsides. Having children is wonderful, but there are downsides. Getting married is wonderful. Getting a college education is wonderful, but there are downsides. It would be, I'd be hard-pressed to think of anything in life, as great as it might be, that might not have some downsides or some possible perceived downsides. And so what I want to do is talk to you about, I think about seven different things, which I'll go through quickly, which sometimes seem like a downside to creating a great customer experience. Now, I share these with you, not because I think you shouldn't create a great customer experience, as you, you would be pretty shocked if that was my main point, right? But because first of all, some of these things are outweighed so dramatically by the benefit of having a great customer experience that you don't want to be concerned overly about them. But you may find yourself having to debate somebody who's pointing out some of these things I'm mentioning as a concern or a reason not to create such a great customer experience. In other cases, the way in which you create your customer experience may influence how much of these downsides you do or do not experience. And, uh, and lastly, some of them, they may just be the reality of the digital world. There are some downsides to creating a great digital customer experience and encouraging your customers to come to you digitally. And Again, you know, there, you don't really honestly have a choice because if you don't create that great customer experience, you won't be able to be competitive. But it's also helpful to understand that there are some, some things that you may experience that seem like downsides. So let's dive in. Let's talk about what some of those things are. So the first one I want to talk about is that conversion in digital channels is almost always lower than conversion in traditional, say, retail channels or in-person channels. I've seen data from so many companies. You know, if someone walks into a shoe store, what are the odds they're going to walk out with a pair of shoes? Versus if someone goes to a shoe website, what are the odds that they're going to check out in that session and buy a pair of shoes right now from that website? What if someone goes to an insurance, let's say a auto insurance website, what are the odds that they're going to buy insurance right now versus if they walk into their local state farm or all state or farmer's agency in their town and say, hi, I'm interested in car insurance. The answer across almost any industry you can look at is that it is way more likely when they walk into that physical location or even call you on the phone, way more likely that they are going to wind up giving you money right then and there. Why? Because it was more trouble. It's more trouble to do those things. So you have to have A, a certain level of serious intent. It's a lot easier to just click around and click an ad and take a quick look at a shoe, a shoe website between meetings for two minutes. Whereas you're a lot less likely to get in your car, unless you really love shoes, <laughs> you're a lot less likely to get in your car and drive to a shoe store just to walk around because, you know, you love shoe stores. So the intent is not always as likely to be for immediate purchase online as it is in a form that requires more effort and energy. So what that means 
is that by creating a shopping environment, for example, which is easier, we've reduced our sales conversion because the people that weren't serious about buying, they wouldn't have come there in the first place. It would have been too much trouble. And frankly, because it's easy to come back, right? If I go to a shoe store and I look at some shoes and I think, uh, hmm, you know, I'm not really sure if I love these shoes, but I may also be thinking to myself, yeah, but do I want to go to six other shoe stores or do I want to come back to this shoe store on another day? Forget it. I'm just buying shoes. I'm here. I'm buying shoes. Have you done that? If I'm on a website and I'm not sure I love the shoes, it's super easy for me to go look at other websites. And actually, this is actually the next point that I wanted to talk about anyway, which is comparison shopping. It's just so much easier for your customer to comparison shop in the digital world because, again, they don't have to get in their car, they don't have to drive across town, or they don't have to pick up the phone and call another insurance company and wait on hold and go through the IVR process. They've got to, uh, they've got that extra effort they've got to put in. So if you look at these two things together, by creating, I mean, let's just be honest about it, by creating a really, really easy experience, what we've taught our customers is it's easy to come and go, come anytime you want. You don't have to feel it's an investment to come and therefore you don't have to feel obligated to, to buy anything because it's easy to come back. And because all of our competitors, we're chasing our competitors and our competitors are chasing us in terms of giving you an easier experience, the truth is what we're doing is we're teaching the customer, hey, you can shop around without the level of investment of effort that you might otherwise have if you were not in a digital world. That's great for the customer. I like it. I like to be able to, if I want to buy something, I love to be able to look at the price on a bunch of different sites. Or if I'm not sure which model of something I want, maybe I'm buying something, but a few different manufacturers make something similar to be able to put them up and browser tab side by side and compare. For me as a customer, that's great. But for the brand that has, say, someone coming to their website and easily, easily going to another website and another website or an app or what have you, obviously, again, it's reducing your conversion. And one of the really blessings that I have in my life is I have so many awesome clients and we get to do research with their customers and very often spend time with their salespeople or their service people to really understand what's the customer experience that they're delivering today. So I recently had the opportunity with one company that I'm working with, and uh, I don't want to give you too much detail about it, but let's just say they're in the business of selling some kind of a home improvement, a home improvement, right? Imagine it's like remodeling, for example. And so their process is to sit down with the customer kind of at the kitchen table and to go through all the options and possibilities and the pricing. And they will often sit with the customer possibly for several hours going through kind of coming up with a, a proposal for what could be done. And then they'll literally sit there sometimes for 30, 40 minutes just calculating the costs because there's a number of different line items that go into it. And one of the things that we're contemplating for them is, could this be made more digital? The way that they're doing it now is very old school, right? They're, they're writing things on three-part forms. I'm sure you know many companies that are like this. It's natural for me as a, as a digital guy to be coming in and saying, hey, you know, how do, we, how do we empower this? How do we make this faster? How do we make this easier? There should be an app. There should be a digital way of doing this. You, you don't have to sit there with your, with your 10-key calculator and add up all these numbers on a, on a, on a three-part form, you know, press hard, you're making copies and all that to do that for the customer. But here's what I heard. Here's what I heard when I talked to some of the salespeople. They said, well, you know what? We like that it takes a long time with the customer. We like that the customer has to sit there for an hour and watch us add numbers up. We like that we have to spend all of that time doing all of those things manually. Now, you might be wondering, why on earth would anyone think that was a good thing? Well, here's what they said. They said, look, very often, we're the first ones the customers called in to... Uh, 
to get an estimate from. And we want to do a thorough job, but also we want the customer to realize that if they want to get another estimate, if they're going to call another company and get an estimate from another company, it is time consuming, right? It is not something they can do quickly. So the longer and more drawn out we make the process of giving them an estimate, the less, the more they're going to feel like, oh my God, I've already spent two hours with these people, three hours with these people. The last thing I want to do to save a few bucks, possibly, and my, maybe not even, but with the idea that I would be shopping around to get the best price to go spend that same amount of time with somebody else. I don't want to spend that time again. I'm just going to buy this, right? And furthermore, there's an element of obligation. If this person could come in and tap a few buttons on, a, on an iPad and print out something at their hip like they do at an Avis location, say, here's your estimate. Can't get enough of winning digital customers? You can find even more content and video versions of the podcast episodes on our YouTube channel. Visit wdc.ht slash YouTube to subscribe. You wouldn't feel the same obligation. When someone sits at your kitchen table for three hours and writes out five pages of detailed, meticulous estimates, there's a kind of a subconscious or maybe even conscious feeling like, gosh, you know, this person has spent so much time with me. I think I kind of owe them this business. And so that's an example. And I, I wanted to share that story with you because this is some of the mindset that we see out there. And it's not completely wrong. It may absolutely be true. This is the point about conversion I was making earlier. It may absolutely be true that when you sit there and spend three hours with them, they're less likely to shop around. They're more likely to give you the business. If I were to zoom up and look at this big picture, though, I don't think this is a strategy for success, right? And I think one of the reasons is because increasingly, your competitors are going to be doing things in a more streamlined, more digital way. And in many industries, of course, we already see this from insurance to shopping to travel. Consumers increasingly are aware that there are faster, easier options. So trying to be the slow, sluggish one, hoping that your customers will figure everyone is slow and sluggish like you, and therefore you are, you know, it's not worth shopping around. While it may win you a given deal, I don't think big picture, this is a strategy for success. But this is some of the mindset that I see out there. And like I say, you may encounter this as points of resistance when you're trying to drive digital transformation, because anecdotally, it may be true. But big picture, I'm absolutely convinced. And if you look, read my book, Winning Digital Customers, or even parts of it, or some of my articles, there's so much evidence that providing a hyper convenient customer experience is the path to massive customer love and massive growth even if there might be anecdotal occasions that operate the way that I just described. So, so there's are two disadvantages we've talked about before. And they're kind of intertwined. One is about conversion and one is about uh, comparison shopping. Another is how handle, customers handle frustration tolerance. And this is a kind of another variation on almost the same thing we were just talking about. If the customer feels that this has been a long drawn out process and they have a lot invested in their effort of trying to make an order from you, or they've ordered something, or they're in a contract, and it's complex, it's difficult to cancel, and they get frustrated, they may be less likely to go over to a competitor. They may be less likely to cancel just because you've made it so much trouble. You, know? you ever have one of those uh, like subscriptions that you try to cancel, and you try to cancel, and it's just so much trouble to cancel, eventually you just don't cancel because you're like, this is too much trouble? You may or may not have had a scenario like that. Honestly, I'm not sure that I have. But clearly some people do because there are still a lot of companies that try to make it so difficult to cancel. They figure if they make it hard enough that eventually you'll just give up and not cancel. And I can only assume that this strategy does work in some contexts or companies wouldn't continue to hold on to it so tight. Similarly, you know, if I go to a store, physical store, 
and something bad happens. I ask a salesperson for help and they don't, they give me the wrong answer. They send me the wrong end of the store. They don't know what they're talking about. I'm not as likely to just get frustrated, leave, get in my car and drive across town to another company, to another, another store. I might, but it's a little less likely than if I'm on a website and I'm trying to find something and I get frustrated. I know from looking at web statistics that the moment customers get frustrated, they tend to bail. They just, they say, forget it. I'm going to go somewhere else. And so in digital, your customer has a lower frustration tolerance, which means you have less room for error. And well, is that a disadvantage? Kind of by creating great customer experiences that make it so easy for people to pop around. We've also made it so that we have to have less frequent mistakes or frustrations for the customer or we'll lose them. Now, here's another interesting one. Fraud. Fraud. You know, when we make the customer experience easier for customers, easier to open an account, easier to place an order. We also make it easier for crime. You know, it's funny. I mean, I talk all the time about how I call your customers digital customers. And what I mean by that in the title of my book, Winning Digital Customers, and many of you have heard me say this, is that customers are increasingly leading a lifestyle with digital at the center. It's how we work. It's how we entertain ourselves. It's how we shop. It's how we date. You know, it's hard to think of any domain of human activity that is not becoming increasingly digitally centric. And you know what? The same is true for crime. Crime is becoming increasingly digitally centric. And so um, while, yes, of course, someone can walk into your store and steal some you know, of your merchandise, and obviously that happens at all the time, and various businesses, crime is not new in the digital world. But as we make it easier and easier to connect with you, as we make it easier to do all these things, we make it easier for crime. Imagine you're trying to open a fraudulent bank account with someone's stolen identity. In the old days, you'd have to go into one bank. You'd probably be nervous because you had to be there in person. You're trying to convince them you are that person, right? Today, you can be in some foreign country. You can cloak your IP address. You can open up 10 tabs for 10 different banks for 10 different you know, locations, and you can be applying at the same time for accounts at all these different banks. We've simply made fraud a lot easier. Again, is that a reason not to have a great customer experience? Personally, I don't think so. But there's no denying that that is one of the downsides of creating a great customer experience. Uh, the next one is requesting service. If you make it easy for customers to ask for help, they're more likely to do it. And that means more work to help them. You know, and, and there were trends at one point in time, even back when it, a lot of those requests were coming in into call centers, where a lot of companies went on their websites and made it very hard to find their phone numbers, right? Remember that? And I think there was some company that their whole website was just the 800 numbers, you know, like the, the, the customer service numbers for every company that, you know, every major company, because those companies had made it so difficult to find their phone numbers in an attempt to prevent people from calling them so they could lower their costs associated with serving their customers. Again, this is probably not a path to success, certainly anti the whole approach that I take and that I've seen be successful. This is not something you would see Apple do or Disney do or most successful companies try not to talk to their customers. However, you can't deny that it costs more when you interact with your customers. At least it costs more in the moment. Although I would argue it costs more in the long term to not provide your customer an easy method of getting support. Why? Because if the customer has a concern, a problem, an issue, they need help in order to get the maximum value out of whatever you've sold them. Or Lord knows if they need help in the process of trying to buy something from you. If you fail to provide it, then what, are the impact, what is the impact on your long-term revenue? You may have some cost associated with providing that support, but in most cases, you are going to be suboptimizing your long-term revenue, your, long, your lifetime value of that customer. And so you're constantly possibly acquiring new customers, spending money on Google ads or Facebook ads or 
television ads or whatever you may be doing, spending money to bring in new customers rather than selling more to the same customer because you haven't provided that customer a good experience. So rarely a successful strategy in the long run. It only looks successful if you only look at one KPI, you know, which is what did this transaction cost us? And how much money do we have to spend selling or how much money do we have to spend you know, service, servicing the customer after they provided that, after they um, signed up for that. But long-term, almost always, you're going to be better off providing a customer, great customer service. Nevertheless, is it still classified as a downside in the short term? Yes, you may have some additional costs. Download the first chapter of the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Winning Digital Customers, The Antidote to Irrelevance, today. Visit winningdigitalcustomers.com to get started. Um, lastly, I think this is the last one, is refunds. If you provide a great, easy customer experience, is our customers more likely to return products? I think so. I know I return a lot more products to Amazon than I might if I had to drive back to the store because it's just so darn easy to return those products to Amazon. They've, they have gone out of their way to make it super easy for me to send stuff back to them. And Zappos and other companies have, have also demonstrated different variations on this theme. Now, uh, again, if you look at the transaction, you could easily conclude, oh no, our return rates are up. What can we do to get our return rates down? But I can tell you, and I'm sure you have a similar story, I buy a lot more stuff from Amazon because I know how easy it will be to return it. And what percentage of the stuff do I, that I buy from Amazon do I return? I would guess one in 10, one in 15 Amazon purchases do I actually return. So I'm guessing in the long run, they're much better off providing a great experience for me. And this is not just true of a retailer. This is true if you have a subscription product associated with cancellation. This is even true for like, take, I remember, here's another quick story for you. This is many years ago. And I won't show the name of the company, but I was brought in, this is even before I started my own company. So this is probably 15 years ago. I was brought in to help consult on customer experience for a major, major health insurance company, a brand that you would definitely know. And I remember, I, it wasn't my account. The head of the account was brought in and the company I was working for had done a lot of different types of projects with them, not so much around user experience and customer experience. So they brought me in to speak to the head of claims. And I gave a presentation on their current claims process and how we could help them streamline it to make it so much easier for their customers to file claims, resulting in higher customer satisfaction. And about halfway through the presentation, this executive who was in charge of, of the customer experience for claims stopped me and he said, you know, I don't think you understand our business. And I'm like, okay, well, educate me. I mean, I'm not a health insurance expert. I've worked in the health insurance industry, but I've worked in many, many industries, media and retail and property and casualty insurance and financial services in many areas. So what do you think I don't understand? He goes, do you think we want to make it easier for people to file more claims? That's the last thing in the world that we want. And he pretty much ended the meeting. <laughs> now, I don't know if they would still think about this that way. Uh, and I'm not saying all insurance companies have that mindset, although you might think so to look at some of their claims websites. But it goes to that same mindset that believes that if I provide a worse customer experience, maybe I can stop the customer from filing claims. Maybe I can stop the customer from canceling their subscription. Maybe I can stop the customer from requesting help. And what so much data shows us is that the companies that are succeeding today are those that are successful at driving customer love. And customer love does not come when you take that mindset and approach. It's much cheaper to provide the customer a great experience than a bad one and then have to continue to go out and acquire more and more new customers to fill that customer fund. So uh, that's my content for today. I really just wanted to go over some of the 
downsides, and most of them are probably not downsides in the long term. A few of them might be downsides in the long term. None of them are a good excuse. If you're looking for an excuse to not provide a great customer experience, I've given you nothing today, nothing. But I wanted to go over those things because they may be food for thought for either how you can optimize, like the fraud issue, for example, obviously, the more easier you make the experience, the more you need to think about what am I doing to make fraud less likely. And you know what? That's always a challenge. You know, you provide more ways the customer has to authenticate. It lowers the customer experience, but also helps prevent fraud. So that's an area of opportunity for better use of artificial intelligence and machine learning and computer vision, all kinds of technologies. And so if you look at each of these categories, there may very well be ways that you can help improve the conversion on your website make it less likely that customer is going to want to comparison shop, even though you've made it very easy. There's all kinds of strategies you can do to combat some of these things. But I'll be honest with you, you may not combat them 100%. I've worked on many websites where we were able to substantially improve the conversion, even double the conversion of an online, say, a retail experience or other kind of purchase experience. But it still isn't as good as the call center often. And it still isn't as good as the store because of the reasons I mentioned before. But very often, you've got a lot more people coming. So would you rather have 100 people come to the store and 50 buy or 1,000 people come to your website and 200 of them buy? Obviously, 200 is a lot more than 50. And you need a lot less web infrastructure to support that many people. You know, If I have a store that's got to support five times as many people, I got to rent more real estate and build it out and hire more people to staff it. While there are some additional costs in scaling up an e-commerce experience for more people, they're not significant compared to the kind of linear scaling that you have to do when you try to scale many types of physical experiences. And the same goes for call centers. You have twice as many callers, you need twice as many seats, you need twice as many phones, you need twice as many people answering the phone, et cetera. So uh, hopefully I've convinced you that these are not reasons to not pursue a strategy to win digital customers, but it's still good to keep in mind nothing's perfect. And there are things you need to keep an eye out for because as you make the experience better, certain things, certain metrics may drop. And then you need to be mindful of, oh, that was expected. The drop of that one metric, the drop of that conversion compared to other channels may not be the worst thing in the world. You know, If my, the company that was doing the home remodeling that I mentioned, if they uh, discovered that as a result of taking a three-hour sales process and making it take only 20 minutes, their conversion dropped slightly, but they were able to see five times as many customers and their customers was, were much more satisfied, you know, it may very well make sense in the end. So you want to be careful not to look at any one metric or get hung up on any one thing like fraud or conversion or comparison shopping or whatnot, but see the whole bigger picture and see the full lifetime customer value because that's what's really going to drive the long-term success of any business. So hopefully this has been helpful and useful for you. Thanks as always for watching and listening. And if you like this, I encourage you also to go to the website winningdigitalcustomers.com if you want to learn more about my book or download a free chapter and sign up for my mailing list to learn about all kinds of interesting things that I send out to my friends. Thanks so much. Have an awesome day. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Winning Digital Customers, the podcast. Find more great episodes at wdcpodcast.captivate.fm on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, or wherever you listen. And visit winningdigitalcustomers.com to learn more about the Wall Street Journal bestselling book that inspired the podcast.